Lucky, 13th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. Thank you for celebrating with us on iTunes, Stitcher, or our revamped streaming service available at theslowridepodcast.com. If you subscribe on iTunes, give us a rating and leave a review, and then we can brag to our girlfriends and wives about how important we have become. My name is Tim Hayes, and I am in Gainesville, Florida, where I co-own a bicycle shop. You can find me on Twitter at the Super Rookie. joined by always in Minneapolis, Minnesota, bicycle messenger extraordinaire, the little guy, Matt Allen. How you doing, Matt? Hello. I'm good. It's good. Little Matt. guy, how many seasons have you been bike messaging now? Um... I don't know, ten, eleven, twelve, something like that. I don't know. You're the All you're right. the you're the veteran on the streets. I'm the veteran on the streets. Matt can be reached at little guy Matt on Twitter, and that was Spencer Howe from Boston, Massachusetts, where he works in the industry. He can be find uh, found on Twitter at Spencer Howe, at H A U G H. How are you doing, Spencer? I hate you. Thank you. And we have a lot to discuss with the build-up of the Tour de France, the best art show around, and the correct use of bicycle lanes. But first, we want to remind our winners of the Slow Ride Fantasy Juro League to email us at theslowridepodcast at gmail.com so we can send off the winning Louisville 2013 Foam Party water bottles to both the top and bottom three teams. And before we get started, in last week's podcast, we talked a little bit about riding bikes on the sidewalks, a.k.a. sidewalk surfing. And a few listeners inquired about the acceptable amount of sidewalk riding that is allowed. So, little guy, how much can you ride on the sidewalk? Uh, well, three three pedal strokes. Three pedal. What if so? So if it's a fixed gear, you're you're done right away. But if you're on a coaster coaster, you're okay. No, 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 no. You just the length that with three pedal strokes would would get you so you know like you get on the bike on the sidewalk you get the one you get the right pedal and you get a left and you get a right to take you off like almost like you're dismounting while you're coding like do you have to be in the process of dismounting when you get on the sidewalk basically uh i'm gonna say no i don't know it depends if there's an old man coming out of a building or not yes that is why you do not ride on the sidewalk as i learned in my younger days when i hit an old man and caused him to bleed out of the knuckles, and I have learned my lesson since. Don't ride on the sidewalk. You get so, up to half a block. That's my judgment. Half a block. I'm going back. Little guy, you said three pedal strokes, but, you know, like, for a junior rollout for bike racing, they do one full pedal stroke, and that's 26 feet. So you're talking about, you know, 100 feet almost. I'm saying, like, the right pedal comes down, the left pedal comes down. The right pedal comes down. You're we off the sidewalk. So you're not talking about full rotations here. I'm not. I'm not an official, so I don't. I don't know the. I'm the, just checking. The breakdown of pedal strokes. Like <clears throat> I had to look it up. <laughs> How much, uh, Spencer? Do you think you can ride on the sidewalk before you should get a ticket? What did you say? You said half a block. I say like up to half a block. Like you I think know... that's too far. I think that's too far. Okay. I think it's close, but I think it's too far. I I think. You know, you got a third of a block. Like, okay. If you have to go more than a third of a block, you just should jump on in the middle somewhere. Okay. There's, you know, hop the curb. It's not that big. There. The judgment has been settled. A half a block is what you're allowed to ride what? on the sidewalk. And with that, we'll be right back with the best of the week in cycling. This is why people hate you. I 
podcast in the week of cycling. I've been distracted by the World Cup. My voice is a little hoarse after the United States' big win today. Is there even bike riding going on in the world? It seems kind of slow. Yes. Yes. There's kind of you a just, lot of bike racing going yeah, on. Yeah, you just missed like the the greatest tour warm-up race of all time. So What race was that? The Dolphin, Elibre. And who won it? <laughs> uh, Talansky. He speaks Talansky. English, you know. I think and he's an from American. Florida. I think he's from Florida. He's American. He is. He's, he's from down Florida. in Miami. He's from Florida. Wow. He really goes uphill well for a guy from the flattest place on earth. Well, you know, we do have hills in Claremont. You should see him sometime. <laughs> yeah, um, I've been told. <laughs> so, yeah, with that distraction, there, I know there's a lot of bike racing. To me, the best uh, thing in cycling, uh, we didn't get to talk about it last week, is just the Art Crank poster show just happened up in Minneapolis for what seems like the ninth year, maybe eighth year of uh Bike posters and culture coming together. Take a look, artcrank.com. See some of the awesome um, artwork that is screen printed onto posters. And Spencer has been in it uh, one time. I bought a poster. Twice, twice, twice. buddy. Oh, that's right, twice. I got a uh, poster uh, from you. And then also, Little Guy has been the subject of one of the posters before. Oh, yeah. And, that's uh, true, I was. So, Art I Crank is, is well known. So, all right. With that, let's go uh, straight to Spencer, our resident artist. Spencer, <clears throat> what do you have for best of the week? Um, my best of the week is how much I appreciate in-town mountain bike trails. Um, because I don't mountain bike all that much. I'm kind of bad at it. But it's a lot of fun, and it breaks up road training, and it breaks yeah. up you know, just doing your boring loops all the time. And I don't want to get in the car and pack up all my junk and like drive for an hour and do some rad trails. Like I just want to, you know, I just want to bounce off some rocks and probably fall into a tree or something. So and and having that like within a half an hour ride of the house is awesome. And Boston is super lucky. I've got I've got two two in town trails that I can ride to. Um, Blue Hills right by Dorchester here. And Fells on the other side of town, which is really big. I heard a rumor that it might be the biggest in-town park system, trail system in the U.S., but maybe that's not true. I don't know. So I didn't. I didn't verify. Are these how how long of uh? I guess so. These are official mountain bike trails. So these are like legit run by the city or some kind of park service. Uh, trails? See now, coming from Minneapolis, like I'm really used to the. The, the way Mork does things and they do a really good job of keeping the trails nice and yeah. maintaining them and putting up signage and making sure everybody knows how the system works and you know which direction the trails go and blah 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 it's not like that here <laughs> it's I mean they're they're sort of marked a little bit and there's a whole bunch of trails that I'm not sure if they're legit or not or if people just cut them into the woods like off of the main trails or the legit trails and it's i mean you could get lost in fells so all day do the trails have like cool names to them like oh this is the tortoise tumble and then that over there's the hedgehog hustle and you know or are they just <laughs> kind of like tumble. or that's like oh that's <laughs> that's dumpster alley and you, you go through that one they probably do i'm sure the locals know all all the trail names so, but there's no map with all that stuff on it so um and, i'm i'm definitely a little spoiled coming from minnesota yeah. 
Um, but now I can ride trails almost all year long, so screw you guys. Well, you know, I love mountain bike trails too, and almost year long for you, but for us down here where we don't have a winter, we get to ride them year-round. There's 60 mm-hmm. miles of mountain bike trails within the city limits of Gainesville, but you kind of have to know where they are. You have to ride with, like, the established, like, the, the trail creators because they're all a lot of them are bum trails that, you know, maybe go through the University of Florida, and then they you got to go do, like, a mile on the road before you can find the next cut-in. So you kind of learn the, the loop. And little guy, you get to go ride some in-town mountain bike trails when you're at work. At when I'm at work, I do. Don't really? you ever take like you get on the radio and you're like, "Hey, downtime," and you go do a couple laps at Theo Worth and then come back? Yeah, you know, I've only once um, done laps of Worth at work, and um, <laughs> that was pretty cool. I didn't, and I didn't actually tell anybody. It was just slow. I rode out to Worth, I did a lap, and I rode back, and I, it was it, like 45 minutes for the whole deal, just casually ride out there, do a lap, come back, didn't get any work, and I, it was actually really perfect. I got work like right as I was rolling into downtown. I got like a one hour, so it was no problem, um, but <laughs> so, I haven't done it since then. I will, Well, maybe you should start doing it. Maybe it's good luck, but Spencer, I totally agree with you. One of the worst things about mountain biking always seems to be that you have to drive to the trails. And down here in Florida, it's like a good, from where I am, it's 20 minutes one way and then it's 45 for like the big trail systems. And some of them are worth it. But to be able to just oh, yeah. get out of your house and go ride it, oh, it's yeah. pretty Yeah, awesome. and I'm sure a lot of the trails out further out are, are way more awesome, you know, and like whatever. But um, I'm, I'm not a beginner or novice or whatever, but I'm not looking to brap super hard or get get crazy rad. I can't enduro, bro. So I don't even try. <laughs> and uh, so, little guy, follow that up. Yes. What's, what was your uh, best of the week? My my best of the week is I was down in Viroqua in uh, southwestern Wisconsin on Saturday, and I had time to go for a ride. I actually like stole somebody's ride off Strava and like wrote it down on a piece of paper because I knew I'd have no phone service out there, and um, got lost a whole bunch. But it was just the most beautiful ride so much climbing so many little quiet back roads that were like 15 percent grades um i met some nice people that turned out i knew people in common with like in the middle of nowhere because i was going down a, a dead end and they were like why are you going down this dead end and we talked for a while um it was just good fun did so. did they think you were gonna rob their cabin they're like oh who's this shady guy <laughs> with no, they just these these. I was trying to turn on this road, and these people. They I tried to let them go first because like I don't want to make you pass me after we turn. And they were like, "No, we just want to talk to you." And I ended up just talking to them for ten minutes. Dude, I would get and out of then, there so fast if someone told me that. I just want to talk to you. Yeah, okay. See yeah. you later. Well, you know, usually when it's like a like a nine year old kid and a and a and a woman in a minivan, you're not that worried you're gonna get murdered. You know, um, in like a Honda minivan. But um, yeah, it was it was a good time. It was nice. it was like, like Elmzo, but all the roads were paved, and there was you could go up the climbs, you could stand up, so you could relieve the pain a little more. <laughs> Just like Elmzo, but paved. Well, great. And with uh, that, we'll be back with the worst of the week.
things happen in cycling, and you have to take the good and the bad. So with the worst of the week of cycling, I want to start it off with a death in the local Tucson, Arizona cycling community, but someone that has gained a lot of, you know, aura and respect throughout the cycling world, the Grey Wolf. The Grey Wolf was a local scene superstar out there. I had heard many stories about him, and then when I finally saw a video interview with him, I realized that he is little guy in about 30 years. And He's with that, cool. um, he passed away. The story that I like to hear the most about him is that he would circle abo- like on a hill above where the big shootout ride happens in Tucson. And the shootout is the, you know, it's the hard man ride, and all the pros do it in the spring. And the Gray Wolf would wear a matching head-to-toe kit. He would have a fanny pack on the outside with a bunch of plastic bags tied to it. And uh, he would attack over the double yellow, just kind of cause chaos. And he always drilled out the cranks on his bikes and even ran a bike without a rear brake because it weighed too much. So, little guy, did you ever get to meet him or ride with him? I I didn't get to meet him when I was in Tucson a couple years ago in the winter, but I um, I did see him. Um, kind of rolling, rolling around by himself. It was pretty. It was exciting, I have to say. He had style, and uh, yeah, he had a goofy bike with uh, no rear brake, which was kind of crazy out there. All the mountains. And I know uh, Adam Meyerson uh, tweeted about it. So like a lot of pros know who this guy is. I mean, I guess it was just kind of the. He was always just a conversation starter on the r- ride, and it made me a lot to think of like you know just local scene warriors. Like there's always like. Every town seems to have one or two of these guys that's strong, but kind of like, you know, maybe they got a really, you know, cool mustache or they've got their own little persona. And, yeah, uh, yeah he was uh, pretty well known. He had a Facebook fan group that had maybe like 500 <laughs> followers. Yeah. So, so the Gray Wolf, much respect. And uh, yeah. that's what I've got. So, uh, Spencer, do you have anything that was really horrible in the week of cycling for you? Uh, I don't know if there's anything really horrible. Um, there are some disappointments, I guess. Yeah. Like what? Well, um, one of my favorite races happened this week, uh, in, in hometown Minnesota. Um, the, the former nature Valley Grand Prix, which lost its title sponsor and is now just going under the North star Grand Prix name because nobody else ponied up any cash for them. And that's sad, you know, yeah. that, that the bike race, you know, because it's an awesome race. And and then there just really didn't seem to be any media coverage of it. Like, I yeah. I don't know, maybe maybe their PR guy, maybe they couldn't afford him or I don't know what. But maybe it's there's probably all volunteers before. Maybe that guy moved on. Uh, but, you know, it just there just wasn't – I was, like, excited about the race. It's the first time I hadn't been in Minnesota to to watch it uh since you know i got into bike racing and um you know so it was a little bummer like i was searching for for results and Uh, stuff to pop up and it just seemed to take forever yeah Yeah. the whole the whole thing seemed to go down the the drain this year in term of coverage and then also just going to their website to get results i couldn't get them within like you know the next morning i still couldn't get results and it's it a, might be their own fault. Like they might have just done too good a job in the past. Yeah, I don't that's know. Some... You know, like 
they set me up for this expectation that results will be yeah. up that night and that there'll be race reports sent to Vela News like that night and or Vela News you know, will so... cover. Like it was Yeah, you know, what's up with Vela News? They didn't they didn't have anything on Vela well, News. I mean I know they've kind of scaled scaled back their their well, world. But... You know what I think it is, you know, to be honest, I think a lot of the teams are just skipping the Nature Valley Grand Prix because from a logistic standpoint or actual racing it's really not the best race, and you always hear it from a lot of the racers that they didn't like it because of the the concentration of the crits, which I understand well, are exciting. But then forever, I mean, remember they used to run the 5 p.m. road race on a Thursday in Canada. Oh, no, they Falls? still do. They still do. And it was yeah. like, you know, there's a lot it, of garbage it's crazy. with that race. And then the, the race director, I know he has his reasons for doing, doing it the way he's doing it. Um, you know, he has restrictions and stuff. But... The race itself is a—it's a really weird stage race. Like, it's crit heavy, yeah. But yet, the guys who do good at crits do not do well in that stage race because the road races are insanely hard too. So, it's uh—it's really it's, weird. It's a strange and, race, and I think people, you know, I mean, it's on the NRC calendar, so that's why people do it. You know what they have to do? Like in my opinion, get rid of the whole stage race identity of it, and just go straight speed week style. With just five crits, because what, what, while it's really cool to have the road racing, but yeah, look at what happens down in Tulsa Tough. Look at what happens in, uh, you know, Athens with Roswell. I mean, you got Minneapolis crit. You could do that on a Friday night. You could do Saturday in downtown St. Paul or vice versa. No one's in St. Paul on a Saturday night. Uh, yeah. And then Sunday you do uh, Stillwater. You have three great races. I just you know, in the American consciousness, yeah, the but... road staging, stage races, unless it's mm. California or elsewhere, it's not going to be exciting for people. That's just my opinion. Yeah, well, there's something wrong. to that. There's something <laughs> to that. But, you know, we've got uh, Dairyland did that. They're doing it the very next week, you know. Yeah. So, And they're trying to capitalize yeah. on people being in the area. Like, that yeah. makes sense. But, um, you know. Well, what sponsor is going to pay all that money for a lack of coverage because there's a road race in Menominee and then Cannon Falls? Like, I don't, if I was a Fortune 500 CEO, <laughs> like that will ever happen, the last thing I'd want it in just a bunch of crits where I could have a bunch of thousands of people watching. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah, I love road racing as much as the next person, but at the end of the day, I, you know, I want people to see my product. And I don't think people are seeing the product in Cannon Falls, or the Road River Road time trial. <laughs> Spare me. Well, time trials in general. Can we? <laughs> we just agree. Well, they do, they and then no... they do the Mercs. They do the Merc style time trial, which is all right. Yeah, I guess, but it's just a crazy race. Like it, it. You it was, know, it's it like. Was... Do you remember it's what... not like they do one weird thing. It's like everything they do is kind of weird, you know, and it makes Minnesota seem crazy. <laughs> well, but anyway. it's a great race. I love it. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, I totally miss it too. But... I want them to put the the time trial up Ohio Hill Again. back. Yes, back in there yeah. because that was the You're best idea it. that me and Tim ever had was going to Laporte and telling him he had to put Ohio in as the time trial. So and he those... did it. He did it. So for those that don't know, the time trial now is on the river road it's just a flat time trial five miles it used to be a like a six mile time trial with an out and back but it finished on top of like the hill that the road riders of minneapolis st paul go to called ohio street 
little guy really likes it because at the bottom of the Ohio Street climb, there's a, a auto shop called the Toy Box where like every yeah. now and then the garage is open and you're like, ooh, oh, look at the look God. at the Mercedes that's in there and little guys like it's oh. all classic Mercedes. It's it's just amazing. Yeah. So uh, I would ride that way even if there wasn't a good climb after. <laughs> the little guy, what was uh, what was bad for you? My 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 baddest. Yeah. My worst is just that um, you know, I sustained an off the bike kind of stupid <laughs> injury. And doing, what were you doing? I was wait, just crawling. Wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. Okay. Okay. You're crawling in the back of the van, but Spencer, what was little guy getting in the back of the van? He needed a uh, some sort of tool that he needed for his pottery class that he was going to later that evening. Okay. And he okay. injured himself getting out of the van. He fell and bruised his hip. Okay. So no. my guess almost, is little guy. Almost. Little guy was reaching, he was eating an apple that he pulled from the orchard previously, and it fell. Yeah, because apples, and it, apples and it are ripe now, right? Tim? The little guy, what happened? What were you getting <laughs> in the back of your van again? I was I was reaching in the back of the van to pull the tarp that I had laying in the back out, uh... and I slipped on the <laughs> bumper, and then I fell from on top of like the bed in the back all the way down and landed on my knee on the bumper, and it really uh -huh. hurts. Wait, but so I just really, I wow. really hate when you injure yourself just doing regular things. You go out, you do bike races, do all kinds of crazy stuff. You don't get hurt, and then you're just like trying to grab a tarp, and now you're hurt. And that's a regular now, thing for me, grabbing tarps. And now I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I haven't ridden my bike. Well, I, you know, it's a good thing I had the tarp there because it's rained like 150 inches in Minnesota in the last three days, and the van leaked a little, but it leaked on the tarp. What van was so, this? Spencer's van? Yeah, who else's van am I driving? So this is the van. How many vans am I borrowing right now? <laughs> there's a there's a leak in the van again. I guess. Yeah, well, you know, it's got it's, some weather stripping issues. It's old. So we'll be back with it's good a news. Couple of questions um, to answer this week. Oh, I'm excited about this. All right, we're back with a few good questions. How many questions do we have? For this week's 13th edition of the Slow Ride Podcast. Once again, you can always email us at theslowridepodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, music requests, anything, uh, met, a couple of, uh, met up with a couple of listeners today, or this weekend, sorry, at the shop. It was fantastic to uh, hear their feedback. They said, more little guy, less Spencer. Oh. See, I always hear more little guy, less Tim and Spencer. So <laughs> All so, I ever hear is less Tim. I don't, yeah. I don't, nobody wants more of anything. So I will uh, start this off, uh, gentlemen. Oh, you know, I actually did, in all honesty, I did get some feedback. Okay. Somebody is very upset about your pronunciation of bike race names, Tim. I, wants, I, you to, I, wants you to go take French lessons. French lessons? So they don't <laughs> like Tour de France? I don't like anything. <laughs> yeah, well, so <laughs> such is my life. So three weeks out from the Tour de France, mm -hmm. <clears throat> we have a little therapeutic use exemp exemption drama. That is yeah. when you get a doctor's note, which allows you to use chemicals of some sort. Chris Froome 
reached into his back pocket and pulled out the inhaler of excitement and fired up <laughs> a little good air in his lungs. I don't know how an inhaler works, but man, was he climbing was he climbing well after that. So you guys have an inhaler. I don't I don't but I love that you think inhalers shoot air into your lungs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's concentrated air, air in there, right? right? It's not. It's, it's not like, like CO2. It's not, yeah. It's it's nitrous, right? <laughs> yeah, that's why he went uphill so fast after that. Yeah. He's so, floating. Were you guys yeah. surprised by the amount of people that were complaining about Chris Froome with an inhaler, or were you just shocked that? Oh, of course he has an inhaler. I assumed he'd have an inhaler. I'm surprised he used it mid race. I'm not surprised about the amount of people complaining. I just, I'm, really? but, you know, they should realize. I'm not surprised people are freaking out. I think every, you know, every little thing people freak out. Do you think? I guess he's a tour contender, so people freak out. But like, yeah, who doesn't have an inhaler in the pro ranks? It's it's ridiculous. (laughs) Do you think Alessandro Pataki came up next to him and he said, "One less pump, (laughs) like like, one less square." Only three. Only three. (laughs) Yeah. I I wonder, like, when Alessandro Pataki got busted for doping, uh, because of too much inhaler. If it was totally because he he accidentally used the inhaler, like he's like, "How's this work?" and then and then he's like, "Oh, okay," and then he took it. But you know, there's just like a little bit too he, much concentration. He probably told his UCI chaperones at the anti-doping thing. He's like, "Dude, what's the big deal? It just shoots air." <laughs> All right. So with that out of the way, um, I want to talk a little bit about bike lanes, gentlemen. Yeah. Gainesville's getting a lot of bike lanes lately and it seems that bike lanes are you know the like oh here's the little margin on the side of the road we're gonna hand you the cyclists and people just assume oh there's a bike lane so you have to ride in it or something like that so my question to you is what's your favorite kind of bike lane do you like the ones that are just you know in the middle of the road do you like kind of the protected bike lane that they have in downtown minneapolis where the cars are parked like six feet away from the curb and then there's like this little strip right that, where you i don't think between. that qualifies as a protected bike lane i think that qualifies as just a dangerous bike lane so, yeah. so you don't have a fan of those little guy no those are terrible there's always cars parked in them there's always people that keep their they're like talking to their friend and they're like about to get in their car and they step into the bike lane and then they turn and keep the conversation going because we're minnesotans and we can't just say goodbye we have to like say goodbye for 15 to 20 minutes um (laughs) that's what this entire (laughs) podcast really is yeah Yeah. (laughs) trying to get off the phone with each other um no i don't like those i think the the ones they've done on park in portland recently are are probably the best ones around here because they're away from the curb there's like a little buffer on each side and then there of the of the bike lane there's a little kind of like gray zone where nothing happens and that's the best the best one if you're going to have a bike lane it should have a little little buffer room but i don't like the fully separated protected ones myself either you know where there's like cones in the middle or some yeah. crap like that that's they stupid to- they seem to be taking all the rage with that people for bikes organization they're all about what they call the green lane movement which is That's the protected so bike lane with like a raised curb and it just yeah. gets people over so you're not a fan no i th- i think it's just one people then think 
you know, you always end up with car drivers who are like, get in the bike lane, even if, you know, you're trying to take a left turn or something. Or, or you they don't want to ride you. on the sidewalk to get to the Yeah, building. or they yell at you because you're like, you're three blocks over on a different street where there's no bike lane. And they think, well, I saw that bike lane on that other street. And it's this big infrastructure project, so you should ride on it. But but I also don't like it when it's too separate because then it's easy enough as a car driver to sort of not think about the bike lane. I think it needs to be zone. Uh, area where you can both inhabit but at the same time there's a little bit of like buffer it's okay. it's symbolic buffer when it's just like a foot of of area that like anybody could move into at any time but i think it's much better if you both have the feeling you know they're there yeah you know but if there's if there's actual physical limitation it's like when you're driving how often do you really think about people on the sidewalk you don't until suddenly one of them steps out and you hit them <laughs> hey, I wonder yeah. what that guy's name was. <laughs> so, well, uh, you know, it's like you don't you're driving and you're not looking at the sidewalk. But when you're driving yeah. and there's a bike in a bike lane next to you that's like that you could you might have to go through to make a turn or they might have to come into your lane to make a turn. Yeah. You're aware of that bike. But if somebody's in a completely separate protected thing, it's easy I feel like to just sort of just disregard the fact that they're there until suddenly you guys have to inhabit the same space, in which case nobody knows what to do. What's, uh, what do you think of bike lanes, Spencer? Are you a fan? I know Boston uh, isn't really known for their bike lanes, so they, got, what, like, <laughs> sh- they have sharrows. Like, what do they got? There's a lot of sharrows here. Um, there's some bike lanes. It, it's getting better. It's funny because I complain about it a lot, and then I, uh, I talk to my girlfriend, and she's like, you know, it's about a hundred thousand times better than it was just five years ago. Okay. And you know, so I don't even know. I don't even know how bad it is, but it's funny because Boston's like number ten or whatever on the list of best bike cities. So I guess I'm just spoiled uh, coming from Minnesota. But um, I mean, if that's what number ten is like, I don't want to know what Gainesville's like. <laughs> well, Gainesville was number eighteen, and then the, the last ranking we dropped to thirty-six. What do you got? So, I was. It was actually. It was pretty funny. Like I'm, you know, I'm. I'm okay with the Sharos as long as cars realize what they mean, which I don't think they do. Um, you know, if there's a bike in that lane, it's a bike lane. If there's yeah. not a bike in that lane, it's not. Um, makes sense, but people don't really respect that. Um, and I kind of agree with little guy in a lot of ways, except for. Um, when I was actually in Mexico City for the Bike Messenger World Championships, by Mexico City, I thought was going to be just a total chaos. And the little pamphlet they give us for the race was like, hey, just so you know, there are zero laws about bikes whatsoever in Mexico. You can do whatever you want, and no one's ever going to give you a ticket or stop you or anything. You can ride the wrong way. You can do whatever you want. Like it. It really doesn't matter, but if you get hit by a car, they're also not going to do anything. (laughs) (laughs) So, but with that in mind, I went down there like ready for battle. And then they have these huge wide, like 10 foot wide green painted protected bike lanes that are all one direction. So they're like wide enough that like, even though you're separated from the cars, they're like, the cars can't not notice them, you know? Um, and they were painted really bright and they had like parking pylons like along them like low little concrete things so they weren't these big dumb plastic barrier things going on I don't know they were really classy they were wide enough that like plenty of people could bike on them and get around each other and like 
not be stuck behind the slow moving commuters or whatever. And, um, it was awesome. They did a really good job and I was super stoked on those bike lanes. Well, um, you know, I, I and normally, admit, I, normally I just don't care. Like, yeah, I have to admit that I'm actually kind of surprised that Mexico city has that. That's really cool yeah. to see that infrastructure. Yeah. Um, set up. It was rad. Now, it was, I, I don't know. I wouldn't encourage people to go there on a bike vacation, but <laughs> it was really nice. It was, it was nice. I do want to, uh, close today's, uh, discussion, tonight's discussion with just a quote that I saw on a Facebook thread from a local racer, nice guy who, you know, posted a picture from 2011. He got second place in a stage race and won $2,500, which he was... That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And he even said, he's like, that was a lot of money and that was for second place. This same stage race, two years later, the winner got only $450. So he's like, it was $2,500 two years ago. And, you know, he's like, hey, where's the money? Basically, you know, why is this? Why are rider numbers down? And kind of, you know, and a gentleman uh, put on there, that's why I don't ride the road here in Florida. They don't pay the riders their worth. And <laughs> and so he was, you know, this was in relation to the reduced prize list. So he's saying since the prize list is reduced, I am not racing here because it's not what the riders are worth. So then my question to you guys is, Mm-hmm. What is an amateur bike racer worth at a race? Really uh, nothing. <laughs> well, right? Like, I mean, so if you're paying $40 for a stage race, and I think it was like $100 for the three stages timed, so you're going to get your full GC time, yep. what would you expect the overall, like, winner and second place person to get like like 450 dollars seems like a lot of money to me even for a yeah, stage race i would have thought i would have thought it would have been in the maybe 300 range for the overall winner at the most um four seems seems pretty generous 2000 seems insane so here's my thing what is an amateur bike racer worth yes and i'm gonna i'm gonna compare this to other sports okay that are similar in stature in in the u.s to cycling Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna like think handball? about <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say Team long handball. jumping, uh, <laughs> you know, jump. like competitive, uh, you know, badminton, okay. um, masters pole vaulting. You know, yeah. <laughs> so I'm th- I'm thinking those guys probably you know a winner of a weekend of pole vaulting probably makes you know a cool fifty bucks. <laughs> weekend of pole vaulting. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so I mean, what do you expect, man? You're 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 doing this is a hobby. Like you're doing it for fun. You basically pay your entry fee so that races happen. Like, yeah, you know, that's the only reason. It's a, it's it's a, a, yeah, it's a rental fee. You're not you're not. Ah, I don't know. It's just the entitlement is insane. Like with amateur bike racers, it's unbelievable. I I I was shocked. No I guarantee you. I'll tell you what. There's, there's cat three pole vaulters out there do not get free free poles every season. Um, really? They're not getting their travel expenses covered, and you know what? They're doing it for the love. Dude, I bet you and it costs if, a lot of money to tote one of those poles around. I bet they break down. Uh, you can ask me about it. <laughs> do, do you think that? Do they? Fuck you. <laughs> And with that, we're at the end of the Slow Ride Podcast. I hope you all had a wonderful time. 13 episodes in, 
Listen to us on iTunes or Stitcher, but make sure you give us a uh, little bit.